It was a win for the ages as the Hawks beat the Pies, as the Fintag produced some Dacos magic to no one's surprise. Individual goal kickers equated to nine while the midfield dominance was simply divine. The Hawks fans were screaming and the players were chipper as the Hawks took the piss led by their skipper. Smithy is alongside me for the six points. The Collingwood review and what a win it was. Arguably the best win the Hawks have had maybe since the 2015 grand final, but definitely the last few years, probably the win of the 20 so far in 2021, 22, and now 2023. The Hawks, 16-9-105, took down the top of the table. Pies, 11-7-73, thanks to Lukey Bruce and Brandon Sticks Ryan just slamming through three apiece. Harry Morrison, Dylan Moore, and Mitch Lewis both kicked two. Sicily had 37, if you don't mind. Connor Nash, 31. Will Day, 29. Jai, 28. And the Chad had himself, 26. It was a pleasure to watch live. And we hope it is, this is a pleasure for you to listen to, I should say. And you should be listening to the Talking Hawks podcast as well as subscribing to it, however your provider is asking you to. And whether you watch the game live or back, we know that you're on cloud nine at the moment, as is this man. His name is Smithy. And, mate, we might have got the uh, the tips and the predictions wrong in the oppo analysis, but we are absolutely not minding that at all, my friend. No, I'll wear that any day of the week. Uh, just if maybe we need a tip against us every week and just have this momentum roll on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to mention that you've gone very Dr. Seuss on us the last few weeks and oh, yeah. my, my feelings about it are mixed. Okay. So um, just a little bit of feedback on the spot for you, but a bit uh, of mixed feedback. That's helpful. Yeah, mm. yeah. A little bit of mixed feedback. I, I, I don't mind some of it. it some of it, it, it's a bit of a reach. So the, 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 mid, the midweek rub do it really poorly. And I just thought I could just, just go up a level. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't hate the idea. It starts it off on a nice little tone, but um, but maybe more prep than the forty-five seconds before we jumped on. Yeah, yeah, so, okay. yeah. Some of the some of the rhymes are a little bit of a reach, so uh, that, that's just a, a, starting off on a, on a slightly negative tone because I know this is going to be a really positive uh, half an hour. Yeah, you're really bringing bringing the vibes, mate. I appreciate that. I'm re- <laughs> I'm really up and about, and just really can't wait to get involved. So. Oh, I guess the Hawks had a win, and uh, oh, I guess we should talk about it after that. My goodness. But, mate, seriously, I watched it live. I know you didn't. Um, you had uh, prior engagements, but uh, just, mate, I mean, I just, the superlatives to summarize escape me, honestly, because it's just, mm. it was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I do have to give a shout out to my mate, Geordie, who um, was playing his uh, Big V basketball prelim final, and I made the three-hour drive down to Taralgon to go and watch that, and uh, he lost by 15 and got fouled out. So uh, it was definitely worth missing the Hawks game live, so <laughs> shout out to him. But, uh, yeah, I was keeping up with the scores, and I was in shock, to be honest, and um, watching the game through this morning, and it, it really was – it was flawless. I, I couldn't I couldn't critique any part of it, Um I think every single player did their part and that is that is the vision of this rebuild if there's dark days and there will be some dark days through maybe the the one game this year there will be some losses some big losses again next year it's not going to turn around and be perfect but this is the game we have to go back to if there's ever a dark time and we ever lose sight of what's coming this is the game we need to refer to because it was everything Sam Mitchell wanted and more. 
Yeah, it really was. It, you know, if that future success is to come, and I'm mightily optimistic that that is on the way, I feel like, you know, with the 2008 side, you could argue that that 2006 game against Geelong down at Cardinia Park was the game where I think every Hawks fan went, oh, okay. This is how I know Geelong were a, uh, not a struggling side, but they were sort of mid table at that point. But we kind of went, oh, I get it. Okay. This is what it's going to look like. Oh, seven happened. And we know what happened with Bart against Adelaide at Marvel stadium. And then the, the beauty of 08, this kind of game's got that feeling about it that we can go, right. When should everyone have realized this is the way forward? I feel like it's this kind of performance that could bring that out in us when we reflect, hopefully after the next flag or two or, however many are on their way yeah won't complain if it's more than two uh give us as many as you can won't complain if it's uh if it's one let's be honest yeah Uh, although we don't really do things in ones not too many times 61 and then probably 08 Mm. is probably the only turn considering they only had a 10 and then a five-year gap in between we have been mightily lucky at this football club so let's get into the six points, mate. Of course, uh, three points each, three of our main takeaways, and maybe some things that aren't necessarily being talked about by the mainstream footy media. That's why the fans come to the fans, mate, and that's what we love doing. But uh, you're going to kick us off with the uh, the obvious story out of the game, mate. But let's be honest, sometimes you've got to take the low-hanging fruit, especially when it's as sweet as this one. Yeah, well, as you said off the top, we do like to go and give you a bit more in-depth Hawthorne coverage that the media won't give you. But uh, this, I just couldn't ignore this. This had to be spoken about. The the national media have covered it a lot over the last 24 hours, which is great because it deserves all the recognition it's been getting. And it's the Finn McGuinness tagging job on Nick Dacos. Nick Dacos is, well... I'll say was the Brownlow favorite now with the injury news. I think that probably that market probably would have shifted, but coming into the game, he was the Brownlow favorite was in genuinely red hot form. People were saying he is not taggable. He has got the game style. You cannot tag. He's got the engine. You cannot tag. And Finn McGuinness just said, hang on a minute. Did you not watch the preseason game down in Tassie where I did the job? And he's just gone back for round two and absolutely nailed it held Nick Dacos to five disposals, the worst of his short career. It's only the third time he's been held under 20 disposals. So this is a kid who is just drawn to the football magnetically. It follows him around, but Finn McGuinness was with him every step of the way. Just the five disposals, two of them were from free kicks Mm -hmm. and one of them was from a kick-in. Yep. So... Realistically, he got two on his own merit, which is just unbelievable from Finn McGuinness. He kicked that goal from what was a very contentious uh, second free kick. I thought it was very, very soft, but um, that doesn't matter now in hindsight because we got the four points. But for Finn McGuinness to go with him the whole game and Collingwood was so thrown that they didn't resort to plan B with Nick Dacos, which is usually put him to half back and let him go from there. They went all the way down the alphabet to plan Z and played him out of the goal square at full forward because Finn was doing that good of a job that they hadn't seen before and they just thought, what haven't we tried? Let's put him down forward and see what can happen. Uh, It was an unbelievable effort. And although Finn, the, the game wasn't about him with the ball, he only had the six disposals, but something that he did yesterday that he potentially hasn't done in the past was use the ball well. He used the ball at 100% when he got 
his hands on the cherry, had two score involvements from his six disposals, uh, which is really efficient stuff. And um, I thought it was just an outstanding effort. As I said, he's deserving of all the media plaudits he gets because uh, this was an out-of-worldly effort by someone who uh, made the unthinkable possible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love everything that you said then. I love that after uh, Nick went off the ground, he went half back with the flight of the ball to take that mark in the goal square to uh, make a two-on-two, become a three-on-two. Huge tick for Finn there. And, I mean, the man's just getting himself another contract, Smithy, if you don't. He yeah. doesn't need to touch the footy. He really does not need to touch the footy. And when he does, he doesn't need to try and do too much with it at all. I remember I was reading Ricky Ponting's book actually over the weekend and in that, and we've talked about this series before that 067 Ashes where we just took mm. the PI double five and one five nil that game in Adelaide, when you could tell that the game was on a knife's edge and England took out all three slips in Australia's second innings, and Ricky Ponting looked at Michael Hussey and went, that's a little bit weird, and we've got them. As soon yeah. as Nick Dacos went to full forward, every Hawthorne fan went, that's a bit weird. Got him. It was yeah. the exact same thing, and I loved it. Loved everything that that Finney's doing. And, um, mate, there are many ways to forge out a footy career, and there are a lot worse things to do than to keep a future Brownlow medalist to five touches. Holy moly. Yeah. I've been slightly critical of him throughout the year for when he does get his hands on the ball. Um, and sometimes when he's in the side and not tagging, he can look quite lost. Uh, but for what he did on the weekend, he had that tagging job. He delivered on it until Nick Dacos went out of the game. And the difference was, as I said, when he got his hands on the ball, he used it really well. So um, yeah, huge tick. Absolutely, it was. All righty, mate, I'm going to go to my first point. And uh, look, we sat here befuddled by some changes to the side, uh, but we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room, mate, and that is Ned Reeves' best game as a Hawthorne player. Straight up, it absolutely was. So not only with his 39 hitouts and his goal, and by the way, you and I often find old clips of footy games where we can find some of the best field kicks that we can. I still don't know why we do it, but we do it, and it's been really fun to do. Sicily's kick to Ned Reeves to set up that goal might just be one of and he probably had four on the day. But when you talk about kicking to a forward's advantage, he didn't kick it to Ned Reeves. He kicked it to the spot. Yeah. And when you, you're going to have to be a giraffe falling over sideways to not have this stick in your hands, and it was just a magnificent kick. But we won the center clearances, Smithy, 18 to 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Collingwood did not score a goal from a center clearance until the Hawks were 34 points up. Yeah, just crazy. One hitouts to advantage handsomely. Warpool's great. Newcomb was great. Uh, Will Day was great. And I don't care what anyone says. He, you can call him Daisy if you want. He's Silk 2.0 for me, mate. Put him <laughs> anywhere on the ground with his size and his footy IQ. He's getting the job done. He's just a star and we love him. But all credit to the noodle, mate. Uh, Sam Mitchell came out during the week and said basically two things. We're tagging Nick Dacos, tick, and conceding six goals from center bounce in the first half, five in the first quarter against the Saints was why Lloyd Meek lost his spot and Ned Reeves is going to have to earn it back. Ned Reeves has earned it back and he's only got Tim English, um, and Max Gorn, and uh, Luke Jackson to deal with in the last three weeks. So that's going to be an interesting uh, little period there for Ned Reeves. But versus Darcy Cameron, First scalp done. Credit to him. 
Yeah, massive credit to him. And, you know, I, I was especially vocal on the podcast uh, on Thursday night. And I, I did say if Ned Reeves comes in and plays well, I'll give him his portraits. And he has 100% earned them. I thought he was really, really good. Still don't love the decision to drop Lloyd Meek even after the fact, just because I thought the way he responded after that first quarter, it was probably his best game of the year. And I just thought that the message of putting him down to the reserves after that, it, it still doesn't sit quite right with me, even though the changes that have made were a big part of why we won the game. It still doesn't fit right, feel right with me. So um, I will stand by that comment and uh, I, I don't take that back just because we won the game. But yeah, Ned Reeves really did a fantastic job in the ruck. It was good to see. Is it a potential confidence shaker for Lloyd Meek? So if he does come back up in the seniors for whatever reasons and he doesn't start well, does that just sap him next time? Because he's thinking, well, if I bounce back, I'm probably going to get dropped anyway. Well, yeah. And that's the whole point behind my disapproval with the decision, I guess, because I think um, it's all well and good to start poorly and finish game poorly and then get moved back to the reserves. That's expected, but... I feel like it shows a lot of uh, a lot of sort of courage and a lot of mental strength to start really poorly, acknowledge that you started really poorly, and bounce back and play a really strong last three quarters. So, you know, it's 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 a funny one because the change obviously worked because Ned Reeves did really well, but I'm sort of looking at the the um, long game with Lloyd Meek. And I just think that the message that's sending him isn't ideal for a young Ruckman. Yep. No, fair enough. All right, mate. We're probably none for eight off two at the moment, starting beautifully. A couple of half volleys to the fence. Let's go to point three in your second. Yeah. So my second point is about the forward line dynamics. I think this was the best our forward line has looked all year apart from the West Coast trouncing that we gave them down in Tasmania. But the dynamics of the forward line, everything just worked so well. Um, so we brought in Cozzy to play that third tall sort of uh, reserve Ruckman role um, after playing some pretty good footy at Box Hill. Tyler Brockman got managed, so he came out of the side. So our starting forward line was Mitch Lewis, Brandon Ryan, Jacob Kaczynski, Dylan Moore, Chad Wingard, and Luke Bruce. Mm. So you've got the three genuine talls and then the three smalls, and it worked. It worked so beautifully. Um, and I won't touch on it too much because it sort of flows into my next point, but having that, that one tall designated to Darcy Moore and keeping him accountable worked because they drew the football uh, and they created a contest that worked for the others. Mitch Lewis up the ground. I know he's the kind of guy we want to see kicking, you know, 50 plus goals for the year, but he just looks so good up the ground. Mm. He's a beautiful field kick. He covers the ground really well. He makes good decisions. So having him up the ground and allowing Ryan and Kaczynski to play deep and then rotating when Kaczynski goes up the ground, things just looked good. And I thought the bigs covered the ground beautifully uh, when Brendan Ryan kicked his third it was a three-on-one. It was Mitch Lewis, Jacob Kaczynski, and Brandon Ryan against mm. Braden Maynard. Yeah. So it just shows how well the forwards worked in conjunction with each other. They ran on top of the ground. They got to dangerous spaces. 
all three of them were really good in the air. I thought Kaczynski took some really strong contested marks, which was good. Brandon Ryan took a few big marks as well, and we know what Mitch Lewis can do. And then the smalls, Dylan Moore and Chad Wingard playing up the ground and flooding back into the forward line. Luke Bruce doing what he does so best uh, and being, you know, that crumbing, dangerous, deep, small forward. It was just beautiful cohesion. The way that the forward line dynamic flowed and worked throughout the game, it looked as good as it's looked all year. Yeah, it really did. And like I said, I don't want to expand on that too much because you're going to get to my point here, but you've moved beautifully here, mate, because I'm going to go to a bit of maligned magic here. Now, there are plenty of Hawks at the moment, as there is with a rebuilding side. You are looking at guys who you're worried about. Are these guys going to be in the next premiership team? First of all, because again, that's something that fans are looking for as we strive for success. There's also, are the older guys standing up? Because as we know, mate, even with young sides, you look at someone like Adelaide, 11th on the ladder, going really well. But when Taylor Walker's nearly winning the Coleman, Rory Sloan still standing up as a veteran, um, uh, Brody Smith still playing some really good footy, he's over the age of 30, and Matt Crouch, who's 28, and I think like the sixth oldest guy on their list, not counting Paul Seedsman here because of his injury worries, like that's how you sta- that's how you deal with inconsistent youngsters. And I think the Chad is imperative in that, mate. His last month's been amazing. 26 touches, six marks, but he didn't have to hit the scoreboard for him to feel invested. And that was what was probably the last little bit of doubt any detractors could have had throughout this three-week period. It was, all right, he was hitting the scoreboard. So he gave us stuff, which is something that I've seen a theme around some social media, which uh, which has been put to bed now. It's that any Chad slander for his last month will not be tolerated at all. We know, and may I've led this charge as well. I was a Connor Nash denier. I didn't even see a move to the midfield being a positive at all. But hey, from round one this year onwards, mate, Connor Nash has converted me another 39 touches, nine marks and six tackles. And who would have thought he's not a wingman? Maybe don't play him as one at Marvel, Sam. Would be nice. Uh, hearing a lot of Hawthorne fans be frustrated with my man Dylan Moore and the man I coined 19 and one just went stuffy. I'll have 22 and two and stick that up your clacker. And we love that from Dill. Is he the best player in the seniors? And I'm not counting Jack O'Sullivan here, mate, because he hasn't played a debut game yet. Is he the best celebrator? Solo celebrator? I reckon he's the one that goes to the crowd quickest, and that includes Chad. Yeah, he's up there. I really like Joshy Weddle's work on the weekend with his snag. He gave it the double (laughs) cob. Uh, I think Mitchie Lewis is always pretty good value. I know he hits the scoreboard quite often, but it it seems like every single one he gets is his first. He, He loves it. And I love how Joshy Weddle took off with the Cobras and turned around and all his teammates was like trying to chase him at that point because he had yeah. that, he'd half taken off and he was like, oh, there's no one here. And it's like, mate, they're trying to track you down. But geez, how good was that hit from 45, by the way? And the last man I want to talk about, mate, is we we spoke about the the doubt that we had over our wingers, especially you had um, Steel Sidebottom as your danger man. I had Josh Dacos, both were fine, but didn't do anything special. Harry Morrison. Tip of the cap, didn't know where his career was at even after signing that two-year extension. 21 touches, two goals, and the two most important things he did, mate, was that gang tackle on Jordan Degoe, not the scrimshaw one, but one that happened beforehand. Didn't let him get out of that stoppage, front of the stoppage, and they might have been open. And the second thing that he did was nailing that goal after the double goal for mine. When Dan McStay put through his goal and then the Nick Dacos scuffle, straight back to the center bounce, Jai, Warple, out today out to Morrison from 40, just had to kick it. And it didn't look like missing. Tip of the yeah. cap and showed a toughness that I'm not sure we've seen out of Harry lately. Mm. Massive tick. 
Yeah, and there, there was another moment that stood out to me in the fourth quarter. I think it was John Noble was uh, running after a loose ball on the members' wing. Harry Morrison ran with him stride for stride mm. and wrapped him up and took him out of bounds with a big tackle. And yep. I, I feel like in the past, maybe that's a situation where Harry didn't close the tackle and Noble gets away and creates a score from that. But uh, he gritted his teeth and he, and he did a really good job. Uh, I don't think there's ever been much of a doubt over his ball use and the ability for him to, you know, get his 15 to 20 touches and use the ball pretty well. But it was the gritty inside stuff that he that he showed us that it really impressed me. And the two goals for a wingman is always a massive tick. We, we've speak, spoken about that a few times this year. If your wingman can kick two, then uh, you're definitely on the right track to winning a game. Joshy Ward up at Giant Stadium, another another um, winger who's kicked two in a in a game. The other one yep. that I want to ask you, mate, we'll call this point 4.5. And it's mainly because if you're the CEO of the Carl Amon fan club, but if you were sort of the chief financial officer of a different fan club, it would be Jack Scrimshaw. Has there been a bigger, I wish I was, didn't have to do this moment of 2023 than Jordan Dugowie coming at him at full pace and Scrim had to stop, prop, and then make a forward gesture in order to get some momentum to stop this brick wall coming at him. And then he just he wasn't letting go Scrim. He wouldn't have let go for a million bucks. Yeah, nailed the tackle. It was a huge moment. Um, and for someone who's been in and out of the side at times, um, you know, he's he's been it hasn't been his his best year and probably one that um he he would really look to improve on. But I feel like his last few weeks. Uh, he obviously was um, dropped for the game a few weeks ago, or was it last week? Mm, um, last week. Yeah. Last week, yeah. Came in and did his job today, uh, the other day. So, uh, massive moment for him, and hopefully, he can finish off the last few weeks really well. Absolutely, mate. Let's get on to point five in your third. Yeah. So my point three is just about the overall coaching masterclass that has been the last week by Sam Mitchell. So I want to just quickly touch on last week uh, and the first quarter. So the Hawks are down. Uh, it's 56-19 at quarter time. Sam Mitchell comes out and genuinely berates the midfield group at quarter time. That is highly unusual for Sam Mitchell. And I feel like, and I use this analogy when we were talking about the game, it's like that really chill teacher that you had in high school who you know, the class love, then you had a really good relationship with him. But there's that day where the class pushes the boundary and the teacher snaps and all of the kids in the class look around and go, damn, we really need to pull our head in here. You know, he, this is serious. Mm. That's what it would have been for the midfield group because Sam is a very players coach and for him to storm out onto that ground, go straight to them and give them the best pasting of their life in 90 seconds they would have looked around after he walked off and gone, we really need to turn this around. And it carried through to this week, 18 to three center clearances. Carnarks are better than that. Unreal coaching, number one. Darcy Moore versus James Sicily, two of the best intercept defenders in the entire AFL. Collingwood try and put Taylor Adams on him? Please, look what happened there. Come on, you've got to be better than that with James Sicily. You've got to give him a little bit more respect than a washed up Taylor Adams, let's be fair. We put in time. We bring in a forward, a third tall, purely to play that role. Darcy Moore has 12 touches and zero score involvements. 
it's not a coincidence that we won that game by limiting Darcy Moore's impact. Abundance of fumbles as well from Darcy. He looked really off. Yeah, he looked really off. And that's got to be in part because of the pressure that was on him in the air all day. And, you know, he didn't think he had the time that he had and made those fumbles. And the other one was just the the forward half heat. So well over 50% of our total tackles for the day were laid in the forward half of the ground. We won forward uh, tackles inside forward 50, sorry, convincingly on the day. And Collingwood are the best team in the AFL from taking football from their back half and scoring. So we said we need to bring the heat in our forward half because if they can break through the net, that's when they're going to kick a big score. So the planning that went into this game, even the Finn McGuinness tag, which I didn't talk about because that was my point one, of course, but it just felt like we won in the coach's box in every facet of the game, which is a huge tick for Sam Mitchell and you know, there's been doubters out there, Daz, this year. There, there have been people who have written him off already, which in my in my opinion is absolutely ridiculous. But there are people out there who have been saying it. And uh, if this game isn't proof that he is the right man for this job, then I don't know what you're looking at. No, I, I don't know either. I'm totally with you. And again, mate, we're kind of segueing off each other's points here beautifully. Uh, my sixth point, the last one for the game, um, how does this impact the rest of the year? So I know we've only got the three games to go. We've got the Bulldogs, Melbourne, Frio. Uh, all three of those games are effectively at home. So we've got Tassie for the Bulldogs, the MCG for Melbourne and for Fremantle, which is fantastic. Uh, we're only two games behind Frio, just quietly. And I, I, it would really, I reckon nothing would annoy Hawthorne fans more than if we moved one spot up the ladder here, because obviously, and there'll be more about this during the week, but our pick three is already pick five. If we make that become pick six, it might actually pull some hair out. Uh, But no one will be doing a better tank job than West coast against Essendon on the weekend. That was extraordinary. That were, um, yeah, Harley Reid saw himself in Melbourne for about 90 seconds. And then West coast went, nah, still coming here, mate. Good luck with that. But I'm really interested to see what this kind of win does. Does it flatten us for next week? And the Bulldogs do largely what they did to Richmond in that first quarter at Marvel Stadium, which was simply extraordinary. Melbourne, another contender. We've seen what we've done to Collingwood. We've seen what we've done to Brisbane. We saw what we did to St. Kilda, who were fifth when we beat them. I know they might not be going as well now, but you can only judge where they were when you played them, Smith. I would have thought the first time, of course. Do we get up for that? And what does that game against Frio mean to both sides, if they're both on the same position on the ladder, well, it's how you send off 2023 in style. Call me crazy, but I can genuinely see us probably winning one more game for the year. I can be talked into two. Mm. But is is this game being, out, let's say it's our last win of the year. Is that a, not disaster, but is that a really overriding negative if we can't get one more? I don't think so. I think you've got to look at expectations at the start of the year. You've got to look at the wins that we did have. And I I would speak for most Hawthorne fans that, you know, when going into December, January, the game we're going to remember from the end of 2023 is this win. Unless there's an absolute disaster in the next three weeks where we lose by 100 plus and it leaves a real sour taste in the mouth. But if we can go toe to toe with 
you know, the dogs and Melbourne in, you know, honourable losses. I know you don't like that term, but honourable losses. And, you know, if Frio pip us in the last week with some of our young kids looking like they've had enough, well, then I think most fans will be able to live with that. Um, I do see us beating Frio in the last game of the year. And I wouldn't be surprised if we beat the dogs in Tassie. We have a great record against them in Tassie. They don't like going down there. Um, and the only thing is it could be, we could hit a little uh, flat spot after the higher that was this week. But um, yeah, I, I do think even if we do drop the last three games, this will be the overriding memory of season 2023. The, the good thing about worrying if we're flat or not is it's an eight day break. So we've got that yeah. to hang on to, which is nice. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how we finish the year and mate, it's the, the over under, on you and I between us replaying this game two and a half times before the Bulldogs game. So three between us. Are we going over or under? Over. Yeah, I reckon you're right. <laughs> I've, I've, I know already uh, my better half has got a few after work uh, events happening this week. Oh, I'm pretty confident the first thing I'll be wanting to do with her house to myself is watch that Hawks game again. Mm. Really living that party lifestyle, mate. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I've got. I'm over the hump now. I'm over 25. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It's all downhill from here socially. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful, mate. What a win! Uh, what a pleasure it was for you to jump on, mate. We got through the oppo analysis on a pessimistic note, and geez, didn't we come out of it on an optimistic one? And also. A shout out from that oppo analysis thing. I did not agree to the tattoo thing. I do not need to get one. So I'm golden. The Hawks are golden. And fingers crossed your week is golden as well. You can read. Also. Oh, yes. Go on. I've got to just give myself a little shout out. I did oh, tip okay. James Sicily for the five stars. You did. Yes. And you were half right. Because in yeah, a talking right. Hawks first, we had two five-star performances, Smith. And I'll be honest, mate. I know I didn't consult you on this. I had to step in because, as you said, you had a prior engagement. I couldn't do it. Mm. I, I could not. It was either give them both five or neither of them. And I had to try and find a half star emoji. I, yeah. It just. You went rogue. And yeah. I, I'll be honest, when I first read it, I couldn't argue with it. Mm. If it was ever going to happen, it would be for this game. Yeah, 100%. It won't happen again. This was a pure anomaly. We're looking forward to it. Make sure you subscribe to the Talking Hawks podcast, however it is asking us to, asking you to, I should say. Uh, also subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us on Facebook or YouTube for our live stream Wednesday, 8 p.m. I think I'm jumping on. I think Matt might be in the chair as well. So looking forward to that in a big, big way. We'll be looking at the Bulldogs and their big win over the Tigers and who will Finn go to and will Connor Nash try and take down the new Brownlow favorite. All that and much more coming throughout the week. Have a fantastic one. Smithy, hope you have a great week as well, mate. And to all the Hawthorne fans out there, enjoy this one for as long as you can and go the Hawks.